The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. So what are we talking about today? Well, I have a quote from a gentleman named Wael Safwat, W-A-E-L-S-A-F-W-A-T. He is with the Supply Chain Management Association of Ontario, and here is what he says. It's not the organizations that are competing. It's the supply chains. Woohoo. So obviously we're talking about supply chains and business, and this is for you no matter what kind of industry you're in. Whether you're in manufacturing or not, you got a supply chain somewhere in your business. So let's start, get started. If you're feeling out of control in the planning phase of your business, you are not alone. That may make you feel better. That may make you feel worse. I don't know, but you are not alone. Why? What is this all about? Keeping up with complex, fast-moving market demands require you to have a world-class supply chain planning. You need to have the capabilities to engage and connect your stakeholders across your entire organization. What if you don't have this? What if you don't have good, accurate, timely forecasting? What if you don't have good demand management? Well, think about it. It's going to hinder your growth and it may cause your organization to spin out of control. You will not be able to compete. It's really that simple. So, what are we going to talk about today? Obviously, we're going to talk about digital business planning and our mantra to all of you listening is get a grip. And that's what my three panelists are going to help us do. Kevin, let me know if our third panelist, Laz, has has been connected yet to us, please. I'm looking at the chat and I don't see that he's on yet. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce the three panelists because we know we will get him. First up in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Ryan. Let me pronounce his last name, Shastik. And Ryan is the... He, let's see, he owns the continued development of the SAP certified Deloitte Exponential Supply Chain pre-configured platform. Oh my goodness. That's a long title and we'll talk to Ryan in a minute. Joining him is Jerome Custers, who is a senior manager in the supply chain management technology practice at Deloitte. So we have two of our friends from Deloitte today. And joining us in a moment, we're still trying to find him, is Laz Uriza, who is senior solution principal for the extended supply chain COE center of excellence at SAP. So let me just type a note into Laz and say, we are getting your voicemail. Okay, let's see if he responds. We'll get him, Kevin, not to worry. Okay, so I'd like to introduce Ryan first, and Ryan sent me a quote from Henry Ford. Now, 
Typically, we say this quote is from Henry Ford. I thought it was, and you know I'm very big on quote investigator, and I love to know exactly the valid source of the quotes, and I think I sit in error on this one. The quote is, if I asked people what they needed, they would have said faster horses. Well, apparently, that has never been exactly pinned to the words of Henry Ford. So we're just going to say it's apocryphal, meaning... Ha! What can I tell you? We think it was him. As a matter of fact, his son quoted him as saying that. His grandson has quoted Henry Ford as saying that, but nobody can find exactly when or where, so we'll go with apocryphal. Anybody wondering, who is Henry Ford? Come on, you couldn't be that young. 1863 to 1947, an American industrialist, founder of the Ford Motor Company, still with us today, and sponsor of the development of the assembly line technique of mass production. By the way, Ford did not invent the automobile or the assembly line, but he developed and manufactured the first automobile that many middle-class Americans could afford. We'll leave it at that. So, Ryan Shastik, Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. We are delighted. So tell me, you picked this quote, and Ryan, I owe you a debt of gratitude. You're the one who told me it wasn't verifiably Henry Ford's words. So I am, I'm, I'm a little bit abashed here because I pride myself on knowing exactly who said what quotes, and, and uh, I did my own research, and, and you preceded that. So thank you very much. Ryan, tell us how this quote relates to our topic today. Clearly, we're talking about digital business planning. What does Henry Ford have to do with this? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, too, want Henry Ford to be attributable to this because I was sort of born, raised, and educated in Michigan, and obviously the automotive companies are near and dear to my heart. And um, from this quote perspective, I think now with sort of um, the progression of technology capabilities and the evolution of supply chains to um, sort of a, a dynamic global supply chain, which really drives the value in organizations rather than sort of a, a cost driver in the past, it's really a value driver going forward that people need to start rethinking the way that they look at their supply chain as one of the core competencies for driving value, both from an mm-hmm. IT enablement, but also just from an organizational standpoint, because sort of the world has evolved from its, from its appetites of what it demands from companies, and supply chains need to sort of be re-envisioned um, in a way that hadn't been thought of before. It's not an optimization. It's sort of a, a subtle revolution. Very, very interesting. So, so if we had asked people what they wanted instead of a supply chain, would they have said faster or better or automatic planning or somebody else to do it for me? What would they have said, Ryan? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I appreciate it. So they would have said, you know, I want my reports to be generated faster, right? I want, I want my safety stocks to be lower, um, but not necessarily saying, you know what, can I just get rid of reports in general? Is there an opportunity where I, I don't need to operate off of stagnant reports or things that had been generated the day before, can I get to something where I don't make the mistakes any longer? So um, can I get an IT system which, um, you know, is easy to use for users, but not necessarily asking the question is, can my IT systems just make decisions on my behalf and I operate truly just on a purely exceptional and strategic focus? Thank you very much. Interesting. Um, you know, when you mention the word planning, Ryan, whether it's digital or whether it's old-fashioned manual, I think people kind of shudder, don't you? They'd rather go to the, the sexy stuff, the good stuff, look at all of the the uh, opportunities that they're taking advantage of, how they're growing the business. You say, got to sit down and plan. Do you think that's an UG? Do you think this is something that's this topic that people are going to say who are listening? Ah, oh, come on. We've already planned this. Come on, we're doing the best we can. We got to go back and think about it again. You think that's a, a, a 
not a welcome subject. I just want a level set here so people know we're, we're trying to help. Any thoughts on no. that, Ryan? Do you know what? I think a year ago, your sentiments would are sort of what we're out there in the marketplace inside this, you know, the walls of the supply chain organizations, the manufact- manufacturing organizations. But to be honest, over the last year, I think that there's been a shift in perspective where people understand that there's new possibilities and there's a, a new need to sort of more quickly evolve, but there's still a lack of understanding of how they can actually do it. It's one, one thing to say, yes, I know that I need to do something different. You know, I know that the system is quote unquote broke or needs to be fixed, but it's another Mm -hmm. thing to know exactly where you need to go um, and be revolutionary, right? The idea of revolution is that it's not entirely clear or everybody would be doing it. So I I think that the sentiment has changed. I think we're in a period of time right now when people fully acknowledge that change is possible. They just don't know necessarily what to change into. Thank you. Very insightful. I, I really appreciate those comments, Ryan, and thank you for uh, being flexible enough to parry with me here. That's, I think that's what our listeners really want to know. Ryan, I often ask the question to my panelists, um, is this something that comes as breaking news to our listeners? Oh, my God, I turned into, tuned into this radio show when I heard that I'm supposed to be doing what? I didn't know that. So, okay, thank you. Um, very pleased yep. to hear that there's a change of sentiment in the past year. And now let's turn to your colleague at Deloitte is Jerome Custers. As I mentioned, he's a senior manager in the supply chain management technology practice. And Jerome has sent us a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's been a long time since anybody's done that. Let me just read a little bit about who he is. If anybody doesn't know, Ralph Waldo Emerson, 1803 to 1882, was known professionally, interestingly, as Waldo Emerson. He was an American essayist, a lecturer a poet who led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century. That sure goes way back. He was seen as a champion of individualism and a critic of the countervailing pressures of society. He disseminated his thoughts through dozens of published essays and more than 1,500 public lectures across the United States. I bet he was considered a game changer. Here is the quote Jerome has selected. Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Beautiful quote. I want to crochet it on a pillow. Jerome Custers, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine, Bunny. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell me, are you a big fan or a follower or a collector of the essays and poetry of Mr. Emerson? Um, I've I've read a couple of them, but this one I particularly liked because it very much relates to what I've been doing over the last say, 10 years. So often I think back about that, and in discussions with people, I tend always to try to do something new. I'm not very interested in doing the same thing over and over again. So in, in that respect, it's very similar to, I think, what Ryan, um, what, what Ryan stated, where he said, well, if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And this is kind of in the same direction, saying that, well, rather than doing what we've always been doing, let's try to go do something new. Let's try to help people by doing something completely disruptive and start over. And that's sort of what I think Ryan and myself have been doing for a long time now. Question to you. Who is supposed to be leaving this trail, leaving the path of same old, same old, whether it's working or not, and blazing, if you will, a new trail? Is this uh, the CFO? Is this the head of, I don't know, the IT department? Is this the COO? Is this the CEO? Is this somebody at a management level below the C-suite? Who should be the one to say, we're going to go and be disruptive and make it better for some 
supply chain. We're going to plan in a new and exciting way so that we have a better chance to take opportunities and grab them and grow with them. So where should this be blazed, Jerome? Who? Who's responsible? Um, that's a great question, Bonnie, and I think you might, um, if, if you have more consultants on your show, you'll probably know the answer, it depends. And I think that, that here is particularly true because um, I think doing something new shouldn't be done for the sake of doing something new. Doing something new should be done because there is something broke, because there is something to fix. And in, in that case, it sort of depends. For example, if you look recently in supply chain planning, one of the things which really comes across as as um, completely new and um, revolutionary is, for example, what they call uh, response management, right? In, in response management, organizations try to be more responsive and try to um, use supply chain planning technology to be able to respond to quick disruptions in their supply chain. Now, if you don't consider you have a lot of su- disruptions in your supply chain, that might not be the first thing to look at. Something similar happens, for example, for um, let's say demand sensing, a very new way of looking at very short-term demand. Now, if short-term demand isn't relevant for you, you shouldn't be looking at that. However, if it is, then that is the moment to start investigating new parts and say, well, actually, this piece of information, I have this all the time. Traditional techniques cannot help me solve it. So let's go and try to do something new, something innovative. Let's try to blaze a new trail. Thank you very much. Thank you for waxing poetic with me, Jerome. I appreciate that. And we do have our third panelist here, Lazuriza. He's been on several shows with us over the years. He is from SAP. Uh, he's the Senior Solution Principal for the Extended Supply Chain Center of Excellence at SAP. And he has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. All I'll say is Einstein is frequently quoted on our shows. And he is often shown at a blackboard writing his famous equation, one of the most famous equations in the world, equals mc squared. It's a mathematical formula with the power to transcend the barriers of language and culture. Uh, Jerome, just flipping back to Jerome, imagine leaving a trail, leaving a brand new trail, and this is what it looks like, what Albert Einstein did with this particular formula. This was the law of equivalence of energy and mass using his formula. Now, Laz has sent us the following quote, and very profound for our topic today. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Laz, welcome. How have you been? Hi, Bonnie. It's been a minute. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm listening to Jerome and to uh, Ryan, and it's spot on what I was thinking. So uh, I'm glad to see we're all on the same page here, but uh, we uh, supply chain is such an interesting topic because, like I said on that um, quote, I had another one that I was thinking about, and that's actually the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> Where we try to do the same things and expect different outcomes. Well, when you think about those two together, the first one relates to uh, sales and operation planning, right? We, are, we know that we're not accurate. We know that we're doing something wrong. And at the end of the month, we just rinse and repeat and go over it and over it and over it and hope that somehow the next month will be better and we just don't get there. That's why the quote I chose about Albert Einstein. In order to fix that, we actually have to think in another level and track and tackle a problem in a way that we haven't done it before. So I, I couldn't agree more with, uh, uh, with you guys in the sense that response planning is very interesting for a lot of companies. But when we talk about response planning, we're again chasing the end goal, right? In some extent, we need to fix the entire uh, the, the, like, the sales and operation planning and changing to a pull network. We have to think differently and we have to be very disruptive to fix the problems that we're facing as companies today. 
Thank you, Laz. Very interesting. And in a way, your quote from Einstein, I believe, is a, a variation on what Jerome picked from oh. Emerson, right? Do not go where the yeah. path may lead. Go where there is no path and leave a trail. And I, and I think if we relate that back, Ryan, I'm not leaving you out of the conversation here. We go back to Ryan's quote from apocryphally attributed to Henry Ford. Uh, they would have want faster horses. I, I think he was looking for something new and different as well and a new trail to blaze. And indeed, Henry Ford did that, regardless of what whether he really said that or not. Very good start here. I have a, a great agreement across the panel. Before I ask each of you where you're calling from and what's in your cup today, you know, that's our little uh, our icebreaker segment of the opening of each show. I want to know, Laz, I asked a question of Jerome. I believe you were listening at that point. Who is responsible for using different thinking? Where? Is it C-suite? Is it lower in the organization? Is it everyone? Sometimes I ask that question and my panelists say, it's everyone. So Ryan already said, I didn't ask the question to Ryan, but Jerome already said it depends if you ask enough people. Who do you think? I think it takes a village. I think there needs to be commitment from the C-suite. I think there needs to be commitment from the people below the C-suite who's actually doing the planning firsthand who's actually running the products, who's actually planning the demand, all of them have to be in sync with the direction of the sea level. So it's not that somebody uh, bites on an idea and then they all have to follow. They all have to be very committed to this change and understand that this will actually be in the benefit of everybody. So, uh, like I said, it takes a village. I think everybody is responsible and they have a pivotal part in disrupting their supply chain and, and, and achieving better and newer goals. Okay, Ryan Shostak, I have the same question for you. I've asked it of your two colleagues on the panel. What do you think? We have one answer. It depends on whom you ask. Maybe it depends on the time of day or the time of the year or which report just landed on the desk or on the on the laptop or the, or the iPad. And we also have It Takes a Village. Ryan, where do you sit on this question? So to pile on, um, I would say yes. So it takes those individuals that you, you highlighted and to, to echo what was just said, uh, it does take a concerted and collaborative environment to sort of fine-tune to the level of precision that supply chains are getting to now in order to be competitive and to go over the, uh, and to be um, really transformational in comparison to their competitors. The one thing that I would say is missing is that level of engagement doesn't end just inside the organizational four walls. So going up one level in the supply chain and actually engaging your suppliers so that, that they're, um, they're thinking creatively on this. Because in reality, supply chain is not with, obviously not just within your four walls. Mm-hmm. Much of it is much higher than just one level. And engaging your suppliers is a big thing that we also need to engage on, too. To read Thank the you word very much. Over and, and over. <laughs> and now, while I have you, Ryan, now we're going to do our little up close and personal. Where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? Or what would you rather be drinking that makes you really, really happy? Ryan, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I am drinking Soylent. I don't know if you guys know what Soylent is. <laughs> Yesterday, spell, spell, spell it for me. Spell it. Yeah, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T. I'm looking it up. Go ahead. And so, yesterday I embarked on a self-improvement lifestyle thing, which included getting more vitamins, minerals, so on and so forth. And there is a uh, meal supplement shake called Soylent that I embarked on drinking. Uh, yesterday, and I am drinking it now, and I must say it tastes like pancake batter, but it is supposed to be incredibly <laughs> healthy, and I uh, look forward to yielding the benefits of it right now. I just feel hungry, so I would rather be drinking 
a milkshake because it falls into the <laughs> consistency and the look of a milkshake. But I must say I would very much enjoy a malted milkshake out of one of those wonderful Sunday glasses that taper at the bottom and have a, a long straw at the top. Ryan, I knew I liked you. <laughs> I would rather be drinking a malted too. I have to tell you two things. Number one, I went looking for what we used to call malted milk. It's it's kind of gritty and grainy, and it came in a jar, and it was Carnation brand years ago. You're probably too young to remember that. I think you are. I, just I couldn't. Bought, it's very apropos. I just no. bought that like two weeks ago. So my son could have malted milk for the first time. So hold on, my supermarket no longer carries it. I checked. I checked among the cocos and the this is and the that's and the the oval team, which they still have all that stuff. I'll use stuff as a polite word, and I couldn't find it. And they said they don't carry it anymore. I'm going to have to go looking around. Isn't that interesting? The second thing I wanted to tell you was, I'm sorry you're hungry. Uh, Soylent. I'm let me read here. Soylent is a brand, odd name, a brand of meal replacement products advertised for consumption as staple meals, available in the U.S. and Canada. Canada as a pre-mixed beverage or in powdered form for mixing with water. This you may not know, but maybe you will, Ryan. It was introduced in 2014 after a crowdfunding campaign, you ready for this, that generated $1.5 million in pre-orders. And it was named after a food in the novel, Make Room, Make Room. I don't even know what that book was. Do you know what the book is, Ryan? I don't, but I read all that mumbo-jumbo. In reality, what it comes down to is it's supposed to be healthy. It still doesn't taste great. Here you go. Make Room is a 1966 science fiction novel written by Harry Harrison exploring the consequences of unchecked population growth on society, originally serialized in Impulse magazine. I'm going to stop right there. Oh, my. Thank you, Ryan. Good to get to know you, and I hope you get to share that malted milk with your son. I'm looking for a milkshake today, too, after our shows. Jerome Custers, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking, or what would you rather be drinking that makes you smile? Um, thanks, Bonnie. I'm currently calling from Houston, Texas. And every morning when I wake up, I really think about having a nice little espresso in a ceramic cup. And every time in the U.S., the same happens. So obviously you can tell from my accent that I wasn't born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a little country called Belgium. And every morning I wake up in Belgium, I have a nice little ceramic cup, which has a little bit of espresso in it. And every time I try to recreate it in the U.S., I get a very big paper cup with a blob of black stuff in it, which is supposed to pass as coffee. So um, (laughs) the good thing now is the hotel I stay in, they know me by now. I've been there for about a year now. So every morning when I get to the lounge, they bring me this little cup and they bring me the perfect espresso. So I'm a very lucky guy here. So I'm very happy to stay in Houston for a while and uh, to keep on doing what I'm doing. You certainly are that black stuff. That's funny what you what you called uh, U.S. coffee. That's funny. We had a, a British gentleman on. We, we've had several, but a couple of years ago, we were talking about the perfect way to make tea when we got to this part of the show, Jerome. And I asked him, well, how do you make tea? And he said, well, he has to have a china cup, bone china, and a certain thickness of the china. And then the water has to be a very specific temperature. And the tea has to steep in the water for a very specific amount of time. And I said, what do you think of American tea bags? And he said, it's just dusty. <laughs> so yeah, I can relate I, to that. <laughs> I think you can. So I've always I've come to look at tea bags and say, that's just dusty tea. No self-respecting Brit would ever want that. Thank you, Jerome. Laz, we have two very charming gentlemen on with you today. And I know you're charming as well. So why don't you regale me with one of your stories, Laz. Where are you and what are you drinking today? Well, I'm in San Francisco and uh, I got a story for you. 
Uh, I'm drinking coffee right now. I'm drinking a Pete's Coffee Major Dickinson Cup, right? Yes. But the story is, just a couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to go to the to the plant and Pete's Coffee in, uh, em- in uh, Emeryville, up here in San Francisco. Uh, they walked me through the entire process. They showed me how they roasted the coffee, how they, they picked it, how they bought it, everything. And after all, after at the end of the tour, they gave me a try of uh, the Major Dickinson special coffee right out of the line, right? Grinded right there in front of me and poured it in a French press coffee for me. I've got to tell you, I consider myself a coffee snob, and I got schooled. From here on out, like, Pete's coffee is going to be staple in my house, and I'm going to do it the same way they showed me, right at the plant, and uh, they have a, a, a brand-new loyal customer in me. Wow. Talk about delighting the customer. That must have been great. I had a, I have a Nespresso now, but I had a Keurig and I used to go to the supermarket and buy the coffee pods for the Keurig laws. And I remember trying Major Dixon's and I loved it. I like a really, really dark, robust coffee. No fooling around, no milk, no sugar. Just give it to me dark and hot. And I love that. And I remember that was one of my favorites. So you're bringing back some good memories and I'm so glad, so glad that you had that opportunity. How nice of them. Wow. Talk about customer loyalty and engagement. We're doing a show, I think, next week on one of our Game Changers series, Laz, on uh, the future. Uh, no, it's actually this Thursday. The future of customer experience. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about confounding your competitors and delighting your customers as we get more and more socially connected, more and more digitally transformed. What's it going to look like? Maybe you should call in on that show, Laz, and share your story. Guess what, gentlemen? They still don't allow me to have any caffeine. I can't even go near it on radio show days, and I think you figured out why. So I have a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water and a pink straw because, yay, the sun is shining here in New York and all of the weather forecasters were wrong. They said rain and I said no, no, bring on the sun. So that's why the straw is here and it works. So there, a little bit of magic. We are talking today on a very serious topic but obviously we are having some fun here in our Coffee Break segment. I'm speaking with Ryan Shostak. If anybody wants to look him up and find out more about him, I will spell his last name. It's S-Z-O-S-T-E-K pronounced Shostak. We have Jerome Custer his last name starts with K, and Jerome is J-E-R-O-E-N, and we have Laz Uriza, L-A-Z-U-R-I-Z. If you want to look them up, find them on LinkedIn, learn a little bit about them. They're smart, they're savvy, they're dedicated to this topic, and I'm so pleased to have them on. Our topic is digital business planning. Get a grip, and that's exactly what we're going to try and do. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Ryan will open the roundtable. We'll be noodling, that's a word for putting our heads together over the break and figuring out where we're going to start the conversation. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Kevin out. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your digital supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. 
Join voiceamerica.com as we broadcast live from Pitbull's 42nd National Private Lending Conference from the Wecopa Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is a one-day event for real estate professionals spotlighting on private money financing. Featured speakers include Pitbull Conference CEO Leonard Rosen and Voice America host Gene Garino. Visit pitbullconference.com for more info and tune in to the live broadcast Thursday, March 2nd starting at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com forward slash Live events. You're listening to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Thank you, kind sir. We are back. We're speaking with two of our friends from Deloitte today. We have Ryan Shostak and Jerome Custers, and we're joined also by Laz Uriza at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to stay that way for the rest of the show. Serious topic here, digital business planning, get a grip, and obviously we're talking with a focus on supply chain. What is it going to take to keep your company growing and thriving and competitive? We're going to start the roundtable with a statement made by Ryan in his notes he sent me before the show. I'm going to read a little bit. And then Ryan will expand it. And then after he's done about two, two and a half minutes, we will invite Jerome and then Laz to chime in and get their POV, their point of view on this topic. So Ryan says, establishing a forecast can serve as the foundation of your operations. This must be an understood, bought in and collaborative process. Organizations that base their forecast only on their own history, in their own silo, and without proper clarity will result in, okay, here we go, bad forecasts, bad plan, and degradation of service levels, and we don't want that. Ryan, please tell us more. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple different points inside here, right? So one is around collaboration. The other one is really around organizational buy-in and understanding, um, something that I think that is not new in reality, and it's sort of repeating the past, but it still resonates, and we haven't cracked it yet, is the fact that inside of organizations, the belief in the forecast is sort of one, one of the sort of fundamental um, indicators of how we actually plan uh, for either production or distribution inside a supply chain is not one uh, bought in, right? And a lot of that comes into that it's not understood. And what ends up happening from that is very cascading, right? So if a person doesn't trust the forecast because they don't understand it, or maybe that they they think it's just uh, wrong or they can do better, then they don't use it. And then subsequently, the thing, the plan that they generate is not trusted by people downstream, so on and so forth, until you get to the end where the customer is effectively not losing trust in the organization because of that. So uh, an understanding of the method and the, the rationale bet- behind what the forecast actually is is absolutely vital and sort of a belief that it is the best number that the organization can plan by. We'll talk a little bit subsequently that that is never a precise game, um, but uh, getting to as accurate and as collaborative a forecast as possible. So there's two levels of collaboration that I, I firmly believe in. One is internally from an SNOP uh, planning process. SNOP um, or integrated business planning, um, as they're, they're sometimes called, is a core competency that's been around for a while. But to be honest, in organizations, we don't see it, you know, sort of in its 
um, expert level across a lot of organizations, not because the science of it's hard, but because the collaboration is hard. The collaboration between statistical forecasting functions, sort of the data scientists with the sales and uh, marketing folks, with the finance folks, with the manufacturing folks, to actually come up with a consensus number is something that's difficult, right? Like those are institutional silos that are built in um, to a lot of organizations, and it affects the planning process. The other level of collaboration, and I had uh, aforementioned it a little bit uh, previously, is collaborating with your customers, right? So the idea is get input from your customers as to their forecasting make them understand how a good forecast will lead to their increased service levels when they're purchasing goods and services from your company. Thank you very much. Good, good advice there. Very solid. Let's turn to Jerome Custers at Deloitte also. Jerome, thoughts on what Ryan just shared with us. Agree or disagree with his point of view? Um, yeah, I think I fully agree, and there are a couple of small things to add. Eh? So I, I think Ryan predominantly talked about ensuring that there is a proper understanding of forecast throughout the organization, and, and you could actually go a step further and, and ensure that all the different entities in an organization can really contribute to that. So not just understanding, um, but just really having the capability to add value to that forecast. So if you look into, into typically starting from a historical signal and then from there go um, over different organizational entities, you can say, well, every organization should add a little bit of information to that, should interpret that information, do something with it and transform it a little bit. And that would give, indeed, as, as Ryan suggests, a forecast which is well accepted in the organization as a route um, or, or as a basis for all of your more operational execution, which happens after the say, planning processes. Besides that, Ryan mentioned the, the external collaboration and mainly looking mm-hmm. at customers. And, and also there you could go a step further and look both upstream and, and downstream. So having the information from your customer as to what they expect is going to happen is going to help you plan your supply chain. But at the same time, you're the customer of someone else. So also that upstream collaboration, providing your information to the next level in your, um, in, 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 let's say, that broader extended organization and in that broader supply chain across organizations could add a lot of value to most companies. And more and more we see clients go that way and, and, and think about that. Not a lot of that has been established, but more and more that's going to be, um, say, the key moving forward. Thank you. Very interesting. Glad you added those notes to what Ryan started. Laz, love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Well, I think it was, I think both their points are great. Uh, the only key word that I think we're missing is real time, right? There's a difference here between collaboration and real time collaboration. If everybody uh, is accountable and puts their grain of salt in the, in the sales and operation plan in a siloed fashion, uh, by the time it circles back and goes to the people who started the sales and operation plan, it's going to be probably wrong and outdated. So in that matter, they have to do it in a collaborative yet real-time manner where their opinions and their ideas are voiced in real time and they can create uh, uh, a sales and operation plan having everybody's input right then and there. So the quicker we can get it uh, done and the quicker we can get people to collaborate and, and voice their opinions on it, the better. Because the information, as we know, is, is valid for very short time uh, span of time. So by the time that it trickles around, it's, it, it, it's going to be 30 40% uh, uh, worse than it was at the beginning. So I think the key word here is real-time collaboration. 
And collaboration, I think Ryan mentioned when he opened this part of our conversation, is, is the toughest part of the whole thing. Ryan, love to get your thoughts on what Jerome and Laz just shared with us, and then we're going to move on to a topic from Jerome. So go ahead, Ryan. I'm on mute, so, and you told me not you. to do that, so shame on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least you admitted it. That's yeah. collaborative. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, the idea, I think, taking the real time one step further to even, you know, use an, an expletive for it is it needs to be continuous. The idea that, you know, you plan once and live with that plan uh, for a month, for a week, for a quarter is not something that, you know, sort of the real world um, sort of operates at. In reality, the real world is changing on a pace faster than ever. Um, businesses and exceptions uh, are happening sort of every second. So I absolutely agree with the real time. I do think as well it needs to be facilitated by a mechanism that's continuous and at the same time being low touch. And that's the delicate balance, right? Like people cannot be spending 100% of their time doing an SNLP process yet they need to be able to be reactive and replan as necessary, and they need a tool set, obviously, that can help facilitate do that, right? Like um, geography, you know, co-locating is not something that is easily done. Um, time zones are a problem, so on and so forth. So we need bridges to sort of allow for this next level of optimization around a continuous SNOP process. Thank you very much. Jerome, I'm looking at your notes here, and here's something interesting. You have some very interesting comments. Um, you say, most people have some experience driving in heavy rain or heavy snow, and we'd likely, we would likely agree that driving without visibility is incredibly hard. Yes, as a driver, I will tell you that. But you say planning is no different, and I like that just as a, as a people type of a statement. But let me go to where I really want to talk about your own. You say planning comes down to predicting the future. That's a bold statement. So why don't you start us with that, Jerome? How much of a predictor, how much of a uh, an omniscient uh, seer of the future do you need to be in your planning? Um, yeah, I think the, the, there are two parts to that, right? So if, if you look into if planning comes down to predicting the future, then essentially you know that you're going to be wrong because none of us have a glass ball and, and none of us is really knowing what, what's going to happen, right? So to a large extent, that means that you need to plan for those variations which are going to happen, for those disruptions which are going to happen over time. And the way you would do that is by organizing your supply chain in a very flexible way. Now, here is where it often gets confusing. And, and we were on a call last week with, with a couple of our clients in Europe where, where we talked explicitly about this point, where basically the going in position was that people said, well, I'm organizing my supply chain in such a way that I'm very flexible and dynamic if something happens, and consequently, the planning for me is not very important. Now, obviously, all the people on the phone, me included, are heavy planning addicts. So we would probably violently disagree with that. But right now, we see in the market a lot of confusion around, um, if I know that my planning is going to be wrong, is the right thing to do either to make my organization more um, say, versatile and, and more responsive to those changes, or should I try to do better planning? Of course, we would tell our clients you should do both. You should increase your planning so that you can minimize those disruptions which happen, and consequently, you need to still be able to manage those small disruptions which come up. But a lot of times we see now companies saying, well, I'm going to just do, um, make my supply chain more responsive, and I'm kind of going to deprioritize the planning. 
So, so that's a little bit of a risk we see happening now, and it's a little bit of a pendulum swinging from left to right. On the one hand, say, well, we should plan very well, and then on the other hand, you say, well, actually, planning doesn't matter. We know we're wrong, so we might as well not bother. So we hope that we can kind of bring that pendulum back in, in equilibrium and come back to a situation where um, both of them are equally important. So let's ensure that you and your organization plan properly and ensure that you do the utmost to make your plan as close to reality as possible, understanding that those small disruptions you will have to manage in a responsive way. Very interesting. Uh, what I like particularly about this, and Laz, I'm going to bring you in, and then Ryan, I like that we're talking about, I think, having a strong stomach, Jerome. We're talking about, do you have to start from scratch, or do you just have to be able to follow and follow the road, regardless of the bumps, or or when you have a heavy rain that you didn't expect, like, like me expecting rain, and it's sunny today. Very interesting. Laz, what are your thoughts on what Jerome just shared, please? I think Jerome is spot on. Uh, I also think that to some extent, uh, Ryan addressed it a little earlier because we're all talking about the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to have a continuous supply chain, right? It's, it's not a matter of, of planning correctly. There's, we have to react to a lot of changes. It's not easy. And, and we put in even more complications into most of the companies who now address their customers from an omni channel, which means selling to businesses, selling straight to consumers, uh, creating customized mm-hmm. goods and so forth, then the planning just takes three, four more dimensions that are even more uh, difficult to manage and control and plan for. So it needs to be uh, uh, in everybody's top of mind uh, every day so that we can adapt and make sure that we are addressing a- any shortcomings or any uh, issues that come at any point in time during the day because supply chain uh, it's always responsible for, for, for being on top and being on time and, and having the product at the right time at the right place. And uh, I, I tell you, you can be 20 years in supply chain, and you rarely get a call saying, like, hey, everything was in time. That's a great job. You only get the calls to get complaints of something that went wrong because supply chain is usually the people paying for the, uh, for the broken glasses. But mm-hmm. the, the truth of the matter is it's, it's a continuous effort that doesn't sleep and needs to be on top of things uh, in planning and response planning and supply planning. It's, like I said, it takes a village and it takes the entire day to be planning all this. And you need to be on top of it and you need to have the right resources and to, and to help you uh, optimize and make it more efficient or more resilient to address uh, your customer needs and to be mindful of the, what's happening within the port world as well. Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, Ryan, please join us. Thoughts? I'm anxiously looking for a point that I vehemently disagree with, but unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be the moment of it. Um, but you're my champion for saying that, so I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, so go so, ahead. Um, in reality, I, I, I heard a quote you know, years ago from a client. He said, in forecasting, you're either wrong or lucky. All right, and I think that still continues to hold true here. There's an, an uh, a normal amount of error in predicting the future, and that in reality will never change. It's just the the, the factor that we're going to get into. It doesn't mean that we abandon to Euron's point the ability to more uh, fine tune that. I think some advances in technology around you know sort of machine learning um, and actually sensors, you know, demand sensing. We talked about that a little bit, but actually products talking to products, so we know you know from a, a support perspective if it's on maintenance and uh, repair an overhaul of, you know, goods in, in the field, we're going to fine-tune a little bit sort of, you know, the demand signal that we're actually getting. And it's very important to sort of know where you're going using that other um, analogy that Yurun had stated. Um, but that being said, 
I mean, knowing the fact that we're going to be wrong in our, you know, our baseline planning assumptions means that we do need to build our organizations to react. And we need to, you know, quickly identify deviations in plan um, and then have a plan to replan or have a plan to react. So if it's running simulations on likely um, scenarios um, in the supply chain, which could happen, and making sure that we're built to accommodate those is one thing. Um, and the other is, you know, dealing with and minimizing the disruption of unforeseen risks. We can't, it's very difficult to plan for the unforeseen, but the idea is to be proactive and define the situations which are likely and have a plan in place for those, a, a corrective action plan, a business contingency plan, if you would. Not business contingency in the sake that something drastically, you know, goes down with your IT systems or a plant shuts down for some reason, political strife or not, but you know, some sort of supply chain disruption, which is likely, and actually having a plan for what that does and how you rebalance. Thank you very much. Uh, Jerome, going back to you, you started this great conversation. What do you think? I'm, I'm so sorry that Ryan couldn't find something to disagree with, but I wasn't expecting because you're covering so much territory. And, and what I hear happening is the three of you are saying there are contingencies. So even it's not like one plus two equals three in planning. Okay, we're done. It's one plus two plus three, but maybe on Thursday, three is in a different, a different code. Maybe it's binary. Maybe somebody didn't see it happening. Maybe there's a twist in the road. So I think we're covering all of the contingencies, and that's why you're all agreeing. So, Jerome, what do you think about this? Anything you want to wrap up on this topic? Um, no, yeah, I, I think uh, we're all in violent agreement on this topic. Um, it might be, it might make sense to tie it back to where, where we started off with saying, well, driving in snow can be hard without the right visibility. And I think knowing that you're going to be wrong reinforces that requirement to have a good visibility into what happened. Right. So if we all say, well, planning is important, so let, let's ensure that we have the visibility um, backwards as to, okay, we tried to plan it this way, this was the result, so that we can continuously improve that moving forward. But let's also keep our eyes open on all the other topics. And, and there, what uh, was mentioned earlier related to real-time visibility becomes really important. So if I know I'm going to be wrong, I need to have the latest information to react to everything which is happening I think you need a strong stomach for all of this. I may mention that before. Laz, I'm looking at your notes, and we have covered a lot in the conversations <laughs> preceding this. I we have covered a lot. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I have one statement here I think we didn't cover specifically, so let's see if I'm right. You say, sales and operations planning needs to evolve. For many years, the focus of adequate Accurate forecasting relied simply on the process of aligning demand and supply to drive a positive business outcome. Okay. It has become more important to power growth, improve resiliency, and drive efficiency improvements. We need to rethink our entire reactive supply chain to a proactive value network. This is so loaded with buzzwords and buzz phrases. I don't know where to start. So, Laz, can you, can you, uh, disassemble this and tell us what's the, what's the meaning of, of all of this? And then we'll chat around the table. Go ahead. Well, we've covered it in a, in a few rounds of discussion right now, but, uh, just to keep it simple, we talked a lot about, uh, making it a proactive value network. This basically means bringing into your, your planning, your suppliers and your customers. Why? Because you're somebody's supplier and you're somebody's customer as well, right? So it's a continuous plan where everybody needs to work in sync to meet their own goals, right? It's not me making my goals as a company, but it, it depends on me if my customer makes it and then my supplier makes it as well. So it's on everybody's best interest to create a network as opposed to a siloed supply chain for companies. That is the one thing. 
uh, on another note, we also talk about being reactive, uh, being in a, in a reactive supply chain. We constantly, I'd like to say we follow the A-ball, but it's not actually true because the A-ball is constantly changing, right? We have demands, we have weather issues, we have uh, customers that change their mind, we have uh, increases in, in, in sales given uh, numerous different factors in, in the market. So we need to be reactive for both positive and negative and outside uh, issues as well. So like we've discussed in the, in the past, we need to be on top of it and we need to be day-to-day and we need to be really informed of everything. So that is why it's also collaborative and it's, it's impossible for one single person or one single contact to have a, a, a good grasp on what's going on in the entire supply chain. So that's why we need uh, the, the, the need for an integrated system, the need of having everything in a one single repository that allows everybody to access it at any point in time, and the information is going to be just as valuable for all the parties intended. So we've covered this in a, in, in, in a lot of the talk tracks during today's uh, show, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it basically encompasses everything, right? The need of reaction, the need of having a proactive value network, and, and moreover, we're all here for, uh, to meet our goals and to be more uh, efficient and more... Um, profitable. So in that sense, we need to drive efficiency. You can't have too much of one thing or too low of another. So you need to drive efficiencies and you need to improve resilience to address those new customers that we're getting day-to-day for any given reason. So there's a lot of things we cannot put on a plan because we can't foresee, but the way we react to it makes us that much uh, efficient and that more uh, active to our customers. Thank you, Laz. Uh, we have just a moment to go around the table quickly and get a quick comment from Ryan and Jerome, and then we have to go to 60 seconds each for our crystal ball predictions round. So, Ryan, let me give you the option. Do you want to give us your prediction, or do you want to comment on what Laz just said? That's up to you. Talk to me, please. Yeah, I'll comment. I mean, my thought is in, in this is, you know, the supply chain does does continue to evolve. It does continue to react, you know, to, to market conditions. I think that consumer sentiment, you know, continues to be very fickle. You know, we're very fickle consumers. You know, product um, life cycles are very short. So planning become is becoming harder, not easier. And a tool set to sort of enable organizations to continue to derive value and sort of margins out of decreasing costs in the supply chain, ability to react and, and not miss demand. Because the fact is, a missed shipment now, nowadays may drive the customer to buy from a different customer uh, or a different um, you mm-hmm. know producer of that goods or services. So um, I think everything on here is spot on. Um, the world is getting more difficult, and we need to figure out a way um, using sort of you know advancing technologies and uh, new concepts of supply chain organization. You know um, organizational change, new levels of collaboration to sort of you know meet this face on. And organizations that do that will be a step ahead. Thank you. And because we're running short on time, I'm going to let you jump in right now with a 60-second prediction. Go ahead, and then we'll get Jerome's comment and his prediction. So go ahead, Ryan. Look at 2020 or thereabouts. I like that, seeing that in the crystal ball, three New Year's Eves away. Woohoo! What do you see would be different about digital business planning with an eye on supply chain around 2020? 60 seconds. Ryan Shastik, go. 
Yeah, I think that you'll see organizations um, invest a lot in IT. Um, I honestly believe that there's a shift in um, capability and the planning solutions that provide a lot of the capabilities that organizations are looking for related to collaboration, related to response, related to this. Um, and I think you'll see uh, a certain amount of investment in those areas. Um, I think it needs to be prescriptive, right? I, I, we don't want to be a, a zealot and an early adopter necessarily, but we've seen the technology advance to a point where now it's fundamentally different than it had been in the past. And now finally businesses are able to get what they wanted. There's been in sort of a waiting game um, where businesses' expectations been, have been in excess of the, um, the system's capabilities, and we're now we're sort of seeing that um, inflection point, and I think you'll, uh, you'll see, sort of see that. And you'll see businesses start to read from the same set of planning music or the same sheet of music where the conductor itself is not all that important, but the sheet of music is shared, so everybody's sort of singing along in supply chain harmony. That was beautiful. I wish I could crochet that on a pillow or write it on a wall when nobody's looking. Thank you, Jerome Custers. We just have time for your 60-second prediction, so go ahead, Jerome. Um, all right. I think, obviously, I fully um, agree with Ryan, um, but I think on top of that, companies in the coming years should start looking more at collaboration across companies. In the past, it has happened quite a lot where it was absolutely required, but it wasn't a free-for-all. Not all companies really embarked in it. And one of the reasons which was blocking that was cost. Now, if you look into supply chain collaboration right now, the new technologies and the open-ended platforms which are available right now allow companies to collaborate significantly better. So on top of investing in IT and, and kind of using all of those new techniques, one of those techniques would allow them to do a proper cross-company uh, cross collaboration um, and connect their supply chains together to be more effective. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Good insights. Lars, I'm rounding this out with you. I can give you 60 seconds for your prediction. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I, was, I would echo what Jerome just said. I agree. I, I see, like, uh, we've talked about this in, the, in another episode. I see IoT being an important part of supply chains in the near future, but I also think that before that happens, we need to really have uh, supply chains that connect each other and make this a much bigger, much bigger uh, proactive network of companies working together to the same goal. It's just, like I said, it's just not within the four walls anymore. It's, it's, it's an entire network of customers and partners working together to make this a much, much more efficient supply chain and a much more connected ecosystem. Indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you to our three panelists. You all worked hard, shared a lot of information, and yes, you were violently in agreement, but that's because you covered it from such a broad perspective that everything was included, and that's also a really good conversation. Ryan Shostak, such a pleasure to meet you. I hope you'll come back. Jerome Custers, ditto. You're all welcome to come back. We'll find a topic. And Laz Uriza, you've been on before. I know you'll be on again. I thought it was a great conversation, and we did cover a lot of aspects of digital business planning. Get a grip. I've been tweeting my tootsies off here while we're talking at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, <clears throat> excuse me, capturing the words of wisdom of our panelists. So if you want to do a, see a recap, go take a peek and see what we said on the show today. I'll be back in one hour from now with a new episode of our other series called Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. Our topic, well, this is a doozy, your balance sheet as of January 1st, 2019. What? $3 trillion worth of leases. We'll be talking about the 
changes to IFRS 16 and ASC 842. If that's all alphabet soup to you, tune in and we will explain it. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to our engineer extraordinaire, Kevin, and the Business Channel team. And thank you again to our panelists. And hello to Carla Neal at Deloitte. Always a pleasure to have your colleagues on with us. So here's my call to action. You know what it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Yes. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.